The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. On another occasion, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. When he entered a certain village, ten men with leprosy met him. Standing at a distance, they called out loudly, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they went away, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus responded, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Gospel of Jesus healing the lepers has 11 total people in it. Priests are mentioned, but we never actually meet them. So there are 11 people in the story, and when you hear the story, it can be very easy mentally to divide these 11 people into two camps. You got two guys over here who are good in this story. You put the white hats on them. They're the good guys. And then over here on this side, you got the nine guys who are bad. We put black hats on them. They're the bad guys. Not quite that simple, as we'll see in a minute, but... One of the good guys in the story is Jesus. He's very predictable that way. You can bank on it. Every story, Jesus is going to be one of the good guys. And in this story, Jesus is perfectly good because he meets ten men who need his love and his power as the Son of God. They are suffering from leprosy and they need healing. Now the word that gets translated leprosy covers a wide range of skin diseases that were around back then, including the one that we now refer to as Hansen's disease. Now, some of these forms of leprosy were very severe and terminal and required the people infected to isolate from every other human being other than the ones who were infected with the same disease. Other forms of leprosy were less severe and not terminal, and they required only what we today might call social distancing. Well, Luke, in his choice of words, he lays down a couple of hints that these ten men were probably suffering from a severe, maybe even fatal form of leprosy. Standing at a distance, they called out loudly, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, they have to stay far enough back from Jesus that they need to yell in order for Jesus to hear them. And that gives us a hint that they're probably on the more severe side of the leprosy spectrum. Now, we all learned firsthand during the COVID pandemic how hard it can be to be physically isolated from other human beings. We also learned how challenging it can be psychologically to have other people look at you and know that they're seeing you not so much as a human being anymore as just a person who could possibly get them sick, right? It's very difficult to be isolated from other people. It's also very difficult to be seen as like some kind of walking pathogen. And that's how these 10 men have to live every day of their lives. 
But they have to do it without any hope that it's going to end, with no light at the end of the tunnel, except that Jesus, who they go to, is good. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Jesus is so good that not only is he going to heal these suffering men and give them their lives back, but as he heals them, he is going to show perfect honor to the law of the Old Testament. The law of Moses required that anyone who had one of these infectious diseases go away had to prove it by going to the priests, and the priests would certify, verify that they were healed before the people could go back and join the general population. So Jesus is so perfectly good, not only is he healing them, he's following God's word as he does it. And then on top of that, Jesus is also giving these ten men the chance to tell the priests, right, who would no doubt be curious about where their healing came from. They also now have the chance to talk about Jesus' power and about his love. Jesus is, is perfectly good to these men. And one of the men he heals, we can put him with Jesus as a good guy. And it's not that he's perfect like Jesus is, but he's as perfect as you can be in this story anyway. Because before he goes running off to the priests to have his healing certified and then go back to enjoying his life, this one man, and he's a Samaritan, of any of the people in the group that you might expect not to take the time to go to the effort to thank a Jewish man like Jesus for this healing, you might expect it to be this one, the Samaritan, but before he does anything else, he turns back. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, thanking him. This is not a quick and casual, thank you, Jesus, the way you wave at someone when they let you merge into their lane. It's not that kind of thank you. He falls down at Jesus' feet and gives him genuine, heartfelt, loud thanksgiving. So this one healed leper, this Samaritan, good guy, put a white hat on him too. But now, what about the other nine? Jesus and the leper no longer, who is a Samaritan, they're good. The other nine, bad. Bad, bad men, we put black hats on them because those men, oh, they receive this wonderful gift from Jesus and they don't even have the thoughtfulness before they go running to the priests to turn around and say a simple thank you to their Savior. Bad, bad men. But we might not want to be too quick about that. Maybe black hats aren't so appropriate for these other nine. Maybe they would look better in gray because they're not all bad. There's a lot of good in the other nine, too. Look, when he entered a certain village, ten men with leprosy met him. Standing at a distance, they called out loudly, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These other nine lepers also need healing, and they need help, and they also go and meet Jesus. They also go to Jesus and ask him for help. And when they call out to Jesus for help, they also call him Master, and that's Master with a capital M. They are recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. They are recognizing his divine power and his divine love to give them the healing that they need. That's very good. Here's something else really good about the other nine. When Jesus tells them to go to the priests, they actually do it. 
When he, ent- uh, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they went away, they were cleansed. You see that they had not yet been healed when Jesus told them to go to the priests, and they went anyway, trusting that just because Jesus said so, they would be healed on the way. Now that is a really amazing faith that they have. Not to wait for the proof of the miracle, not to demand your own personal verification first, but simply to believe that because Jesus, the Son of God, says it's going to happen, it will happen. No, black hats do not fit these men very well. They're not all bad. And we also should not be so uncharitable to assume that never at any point in the rest of their life did they bother to say thank you. I'm sure they did at many other points. After they got back to their regular lives, they probably dropped to their knees and said thank you to God for what Jesus did for them. But where they do go wrong, where their hats turn from white to gray at least, is that they do not stop to thank Jesus first. Before they go back to enjoying all the good, normal blessings of the life that they once knew. And that's wrong. But it's also understandable. I apologize for bringing up COVID again. I promise it won't happen. I know it's strike two. But I I do think that our recent experience with this can probably help us understand exactly what these men are doing in this story. Do you remember what it was like when the restrictions started to be lifted? Do you remember what happened when airline reservations and hotel bookings went back online again? How people stood in these crazy long lines and they paid premium prices and there was this rush and crush to get back into restaurants and movie theaters. I even remember one lady saying that she was looking forward to going back to her office. Can you imagine that? She wanted to go back to work and stand in an office and see the people she worked with. Now, think about yourself personally, or maybe just Christians in general, when that happened. How many Christians, including yourself, when life started, you started to be able to enjoy the good, normal things of life again, how many stopped to say, Lord, thank you for all these blessings you're giving back to me? Or maybe we didn't say anything because we were so eager to get back to the normal goodness of life. Maybe if we said anything to the Lord, it was more like this. About time, Lord. Don't ever let that happen again, at least not in my lifetime. Now maybe we can understand what those nine lepers are doing here. All of the good, normal things in life that had just been given back to them. That they could now go back to wives that maybe they haven't seen or touched in years. That they could hug children again that they had not been able to hug. They could get jobs again and earn money and at the end of the day have that good, satisfying, tired feeling and be able to fall asleep without pain, but to fall asleep in peace and be able to go to dinner and eat with their friends again. I mean, who has time to stop and say thank you when all of those good things are calling your name? You see, this is one of the devil's favorite tricks to strip thankfulness out of the hearts of God's people. That we just get so busy enjoying the good everyday things that God blesses us with that we forget to go back to God and thank him first and foremost for all of those good things. And it really is ironic because all of those good things come from God. He's the one who fills our lives with family and friends and homes and jobs Yes, your job is a blessing. If you don't believe it, ask somebody 
who's just lost their job. He gives us good things like schools, fun and futures and brownies and muffins and pepperoni pizza. And it's just so easy to get absorbed in all of the good things that God gives us in life that we don't turn around and say thank you to him. And this is why the devil loves that so much and does everything he can to foster it. Because a thankful person has to look up and acknowledge the source of their blessings and remember where those blessings come from. But a person with no thanks is going to forget the source of their blessings altogether. So we need to be less like the nine healed lepers in this story and more like the one thankful, the healed Samaritan. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And the key to it all is tucked in there. The Samaritan looked and he saw that he was healed. And it was the sight of his healing that drove him back to Jesus in thanksgiving. Sin is our disease that we all have in common. Sin infects all of us. And it is a terminal disease. It results in death for both the body and the soul. And sin is the worst kind of disease because it is both terminal and non-terminal at the same time. What I mean is it's terminal because it ends in death. But it's not terminal because the death itself never ends. It just goes on forever. See, in the language of the Bible, death is not the end of existence. Death is isolation. Death is separation. And that's what eternal death in hell is. It's isolation. It's separation. Not from your family and your friends for a few months or a couple years, but it's separation from God, from all of his goodness and all of his glory. But see that you have been healed. Your sin is healed by the holy life Jesus lived for you. Now, we can say in a general way that all of Jesus' holiness covers and heals all of our sin, but the sin we're confronted with, especially in this gospel, is thanklessness. And Jesus lived a perfect life of thankfulness to make up for our thanklessness. Read about Jesus in the Gospels and you find him always giving thanks to his heavenly Father for his bread, for guidance and protection, for the gift of God's revelation that was opening eyes and bringing people to faith during Jesus' ministry. That perfect life of thanksgiving, our sins are healed. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross heals us, washes away all our sins, and in baptism, the Holy Spirit made that healing yours by bringing you to faith in your Savior. Look and see the healing that Jesus has given you. And in the sight of that healing, there is only one thing to do, and that is to turn back to God and thank Him. Thank Him first, first and always, for the gift the healing of your sin that Jesus gives you because that's the greatest gift that God ever gives to anyone. But then, while you're thanking him, keep going and thank him for all of the good things that God gives you in your life. Thank him for your family and your friends, and your job and your money and your house, your neighbors, your judges, your teachers, your police, good food and funny jokes and good movies. Thank him for everything, and like the Samaritan, do it with a loud voice. 
like the Samaritan, fall at Jesus' feet and give thanks with all your heart because every good thing God gives us is undeserved. It's all a gift from his gracious hand, from the healing of our sins all the way down to pretty flowers and chirping birds. See every good thing God gives you, the healing of your sin and everything else, and like the Samaritan, let loose and give thanks with all your heart. God is going to bless your thanksgiving. He blesses thanksgiving with joy. Thankful people are joyful people. God will also bless your thanksgiving with a stronger faith. And this needs to be explained carefully because just thanksgiving in and of itself isn't going to make your faith in God stronger. Right? If I say thank you to you for a muffin or a $20 bill or something good you give me, that doesn't strengthen my faith in God. But it's the sight of the healing that drives our thanksgiving to God. See, all ten lepers in this story started with faith in Jesus. You can tell by the fact that they go to him and how they address him, but only one ends the story with a stronger faith in Jesus. That's the one who saw his healing. And then what did he do? He went back to Jesus and he didn't just say thank you, but he got to touch Jesus. He got to hear Jesus' loving voice say, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. God has been amazingly and graciously good to all of us. It's true that he gives some of us more money and resources, some of us maybe more enjoyable or fulfilling jobs, some of us more skills and intelligence, but everyone who believes in Jesus has the gift, the healing of their sins. And that one gift is the great equalizer because it is the only gift God gives that lasts forever. Enjoy it. Enjoy the healing of your sin. It's an amazing blessing to be able to live every day of your life in this world knowing that Jesus has dealt with your sin, that he has healed it with his holy life and death. It's a beautiful thing to know that you are God's child and that you are going to get to live with him even when you die. Enjoy it. Enjoy every gift God gives you to whatever degree, in whatever combination he chooses to give them, but just this, before you go running off to enjoy all of your gifts first, see your healing. Go back to your Savior and touch him and hear his voice. And then, when you get up to enjoy all of God's gifts, you will go with a faith even stronger. Amen.